Hello, and thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. As you know, we put in a ton of time and effort to make each of our shows as valuable as we can. If you find the information useful, please share this podcast with a friend by emailing it to them or sharing this on the social media site of your choice. Are you a business owner? If so, you're probably like most business owners where the majority of your net worth is tied into your business. What steps have you taken to secure the value of that business for yourself and for your family? Joining us today to discuss some business transition strategies is Clark Langrell, president of Forecast Strategic Advisors. Clark is one of only 275 certified exit planning advisors throughout the country. And we're really looking forward to having Clark share with us some great ideas for something that is probably foremost on a lot of business owners' minds, but haven't taken the time to get started because they're too busy running their business. Welcome, Clark. Hi there, Jim. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Hey, I really appreciate you agreeing to join us today. Really look forward to some of the ideas that you'll share, being that you are so focused on your practice with helping pretty much privately owned businesses, how they deal with transition. What I'd like to start out with is what got you involved in such a specific business practice as just counseling clients on business transition strategies? Yeah, it's a good question to ask anybody that's ultimately doing what I'm doing. How did you get here, so to speak? It all goes back to when I started in the financial services business, I focused closely held businesses and realized from the standpoint of getting into the business, the vast majority of them either had a targeted written plan for implementation of the germ of an idea that they wanted to manifest a reality, as well as the fact that they typically would either, after friends and family, have to go to some kind of an institution for financing. The banks and or private equity folks, or venture capital people for that matter, would mandate a written plan. So getting into the business usually required some form of framework, a roadmap, as you will, to get from here to where they wanted to go. Of course, as they began to build their business, they began to realize that, gee, having had that roadmap indirectly, if not directly, contributed to the success. Well, working with those business owners over all those years, I realized that actually stepping away from the business was a much more difficult task. And when I would start to query business owners as to what they're written, not the one that was between their ears, because let's face it, every business owner has one of them, how they're gonna step away from their business, except that other than themselves, no one really knows. And I recognized by virtue of that, that querying those business owners as to, wouldn't it make sense that if you got into your business with a well, find written plan or idea that you committed to writing, does it not make sense to do the same thing for stepping away from your business simply because it then represents a lifetime's worth of toil labor for your transitioning into retirement? And so I realized, serving all these owners, that I was leaving them somewhat short on the potential of planning in advance for what we ultimately refer to as the ultimate event. Well, obviously, that type of advisory firm needs your expertise and focus on this particular subject because I can't imagine there's just so many facets to it. So tell us a little bit about your professional designation of a CEPA, which is a Certified Exit Planning Advisor. Just tell us about the designation. Good question. Up until about 10 years ago, maybe 12, the vast majority of folks 
that owned closely held businesses when they got ready to step away, either visited with their CPA, their business attorney, and would ultimately either be referred to a transaction intermediary in merger acquisition and or just through general networking. So the lack of having a professional whose target and focused activities are in laying the architecture or building the architecture, so to speak, for a successful transition was lacking. And so the vast majority of business owners would ultimately begin to transition by virtue of an event. 99 times out of 100, that event was never a positive one. It was a negative one. It could be as mundane as your brother-in-law doesn't want to be in the business anymore and he was the likely successor. To Home Depot opens up two miles away from the family hardware store chain. Then the business owner finds themselves in a place they've never been before. They're reacting, not acting. If we ever query a business owner, one of the first things we say to them is, tell us, do you like to drive or do you like to be driven? Do you like to act or do you like to react? And of course, we all know what the answers are. They all like to drive. They all like to make decisions. They don't like surprises. And yet, for what we, again, refer to as the ultimate event, they find themselves in a place they've never been before because they had a massive coronary, or they have a change in the industry that they're in, and they're ill-equipped to know how to respond, or a competitor opens up a major distribution center across from their facility, or whatever have you. Thus, they find themselves in a place they've never been before. So the financial community recognized that there was lacking a discipline that would encompass all of the touch points that an individual has to go through, which incorporates not only their personal goals and objectives, but their business goals and objectives to address that ultimate event. And it draws upon both accounting, legal, insurance, financial, investing, all the multiple disciplines, all are touch points in this process. And so some brighter minds than myself, starting with an attorney in Denver, Colorado, John Brown, who started the Business Enterprise Institute, and then following on with Peter Christman and Richard Jackham, who were the founders of the Exit Planning Institute, which is located in Chicago, a true effort was made to try to codify a process and a designation so that a business owner could have the confidence that they would have an architect, so to speak, help build the plans that could then help direct that person to the ultimate event. And thus, the Certified Exit Planning Advisor designation was created by the Exit Planning Institute back, in, I believe, it started in 2006 for trying to create a credentialing to give that business owner an assurance that there's an individual that actually can help take them from where they are today to a successful exit. Clark, you're talking about this transition, and in the practice that you're doing, I'm sure you've been involved in a lot of businesses, both big and small, and helping those people get through that. One thing I think we've all seen the surveys where these closely held businesses, for a lot of families, the lion's share of their net worth is at one company, and you describe some things that can really put a wrench into those long-range plans of transitioning that business and being able to do that successfully and financially do that well. What are some of the biggest mistakes you've come across with business owners in working toward that transition or maybe not even working toward it? Well, yeah, (laughs) the biggest mistakes are the ones that are as plain as day, but a business owner 
doesn't see it because ask any business owner. They are busy working in their business. They have little time to work on their business. And I know that that's the difference between one word, but it could be the difference between failure and success and stepping away from their business. So some of the biggest mistakes are thinking that their exit plan is their business continuity agreement, otherwise known as a buy-sell agreement. Well, a buy-sell agreement only hits certain high water points. Normally, it doesn't talk about the soft issues such as, I'm just burned out, I need to leave or it's just time. And a buy-sell agreement is event-driven. And again, remember, business owners don't like surprises, and usually business owners do not step away from their business because they're disabled, because they died, but more so because it's time. And yet most buy-sell agreements, if we want to get granular here, as one of the small aspects in the overall exit planning strategy, a buy-sell agreement is literally nothing more than the ability to address what would happen if you died or you became disabled or, for that matter, if you were disinterested. Rarely, if any time, when we read a buy-sell agreement, do we see any reference to retirement, let alone the definition of retirement, and therefore, usually, that is the biggest glaring mistake that we see right out of the gate. Number two, a lot of times a business owner knows full well that they have no intention of selling to the insiders, whether it's a management team, key employee, family member, or for that matter, an employee stock ownership plan. They absolutely are certain that the likely buyer is a third-party buyer of some form, either a competitor or private equity, venture capital people, but it's usually an external source. Those folks usually miss one of the most important features, and that goes back to, let's hit back on one of the granular items, the buy-sell agreement. Most owners who intend to sell to a third party have either no buy-sell agreement because they know that the buyers aren't within their organization, they don't have a partner or another shareholder, and so as a result, what happens if they died going to work? So let's turn the thing upside down. Sometimes a buy-sell agreement doesn't even exist, and yet sometimes it does and doesn't even hit on the high water points. So if you wanted to talk about some of the things that are most glaring, it's either the absence of a buy-sell agreement or one that is not addressing all of the high water points. Secondly of all, and probably the one that is the most dramatic, is ask any business owner what they think the value of their business is worth. Most have a general sense of what they think it's worth, but recognize that when transitioning from a business, particularly if you're selling it to an outsider, the value of the business ultimately vests between what the buyer is willing to pay and what the seller is willing to accept. And so therefore, we insist at the outset, as we're building the roadmap, the architecture, as you will, is that they have an independent arm's length valuation of that business because it creates a benchmark. No, it's not necessarily what the willing buyer and the willing seller come to terms, but it creates a benchmarking that an owner otherwise does not have. And then having that updated on a periodic basis, roughly every two years to three years, to make sure that you're tracking through an independent lens as to the value of your business. So those would be some of the general mistakes that I see that owners of closely held businesses make. Thank you, Clark. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, 
as you've mentioned, you must have an exit strategy for when leaving a business. And what is that roadmap? Well, let's talk about this seven-step process that you promote. So please stay tuned. This copyrighted program and its contents is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, nor station render legal, medical, accounting, tax, or other professional advice. The information and opinions expressed here are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendation for any individual situation or security. For specific assistance, you should seek the services of a competent professional. To learn about a specific investment option, ask your Real Wealth Advisor for a prospectus. Please read the prospectus carefully about the fees, expenses, and risks before investing. Real Wealth Advisors offer security and investment advisory services through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered investment advisor, PO Box 64284, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55164. Real Wealth Advisors and Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated are not affiliated entities. This is Real Wealth Weekly on the Real Wealth Advisor Network. The purpose of this message is to stop your heart for just a few seconds. If you weren't here, what would happen to your family? Would there be enough money for them to have the kind of life you want them to? People with life insurance know the answer. Life insurance isn't for the people who die. It's for the people who live. A reminder from the Life and Health Insurance Foundation for Education, a nonprofit organization. Welcome back as we discuss our conversation today with Clark Langle Jr., who is a certified exit planning advisor, and he is the president of Forecast Strategic Advisors, and he's been sharing business transition strategies, and we were just kind of leading up to, again, the fact that you really have to have an exit strategy, and you have a seven-step process. Can you share that with us? I think that probably one of the biggest issues that a business owner faces is when and how to step away from their business. They think that they think that they think they know, but they really don't. And so what happens is, as I said previously, it's usually an event, and it's never a positive event. It's a negative event that leads them to have to address what I call the ultimate event. And so the best way to understand the seven-step process is very much liking to how a property owner builds a building. property owner isn't an architect. A property owner retains an architect. Why? Well, first of all, you can't get the permit to build a building without blueprints. And yet, imagine what the building would look like without blueprints. But remember, architects don't build buildings. They only offer up the plans. And now the building owner, or the business owner in our example, becomes responsible for bringing in the trades to bring the building out of the ground. And as those blueprints are being implemented over time, changes are made. And the changes are made by virtue of the electrician saying or the plumber saying that certain things won't work, even though they were designed as such, in the field they may not work as well, and thus recommendations are made as the architectural plans are implemented. So let's get back to the seven-step process with the exit planning roadmap. We view it very much like blueprints. We're hired by that business owner provide a roadmap. So let's start with step one. Let's identify your personal and business goals and objectives because we've got to be in touch with where you are today from that viewpoint. Is it about income? Is it about lifestyle? Is it about family? Is it about charitable giving? Is it about legacy planning? What are those personal goals? And then how do they layer into one of your most, if not the most, strategic asset that you have, which is your business, which at present is illiquid and will ultimately become liquid, meaning 
go from closely held illiquid stock to cash. Then step two, we have to determine the value of your business. And this is where we insist upon retaining an arm's length certified valuation analyst, CVA, or an ABV, an accredited business valuator, or an ASA, a member of the American Society of Appraisers, one of those three credentials, to provide an independent lens value, where within you will also have pointed out value drivers. What is accreting value to your business? What is subtracting business value? And then, once we now have a baseline of value of the business from an independent arm's length, we can project out into the future what that business will look like based upon previous historical growth patterns and also addressing the challenges that face the business, whether it's industry-wise, geographical-wise, employee-wise, etc. So step three is now to preserve, protect, and promote the value of that business. And that has to do with identifying, like I said earlier, the value drivers but also driving compensation toward growth in the business. Most business owners do not align their senior management's compensation predicated upon formula. It's normally the treadmill of salary bonus, salary bonus, salary bonus, salary bonus. And when you have hard times, such as we have been through, all of a sudden the treadmill doesn't go around and around and around and around, and there isn't the robust bonus. And now all of a sudden, the system doesn't work. Well, the reality is the system is working. It's just not promoting that entrepreneurial thinking that the business owner wants out of its senior management. So when you want to talk about step three of preserve, protect, and promote the growth of that business, it gets down to compensation strategies and how you reward your key people. Because remember, when a buyer comes along, the buyer isn't interested in you because they've already discounted the fact that you're gone. The buyer wants to know that those key people that are driving the value to the business remain. And how did the business grow so well? Because of the formulas for compensation to promote growth. Then we determine in step four or five whether it's logical to sell internally, transfer to family member, brother-in-law, business partner, management, employee stock ownership plan, or step five, sell to a third party whether it be private equity, whether it be a roll-up, whether it be a strategic buyer, whether it be a competitor. And most owners will know logically today who the buyer is, not by individual, but that it's usually going to be inside, meaning selling internally or selling externally. Then step six, we've got to make sure that while we are implementing the roadmap, building the building with the blueprints as an analogy, we have to make sure that all the business continuity issues are addressed, which is step six, business continuity. So that's where we do a deep dive into making sure that not only do you have all your governance documents up to date in the business, but also does that buy-sell exist or not exist? When was it last updated? And now that we have the arm's length valuation of the business, is it being put to use properly and mentioned in the buy-sell agreement? So we do the forensics in a deeper dive as it relates to that when we come to business continuity. But it also has to do with making sure that the owner's interest is protected in the business with proper disability coverage and making sure that they are deploying their time, energy, and effort to growing their business properly. And then finally, step seven, which is after a lifetime's worth of toil, labor, a successful event has occurred, You've gone from illiquid to liquid, and now the single greatest tax you'll ever pay in your life is levied when you're not here to vote the bum out of office, otherwise known as the estate and inheritance tax. And as we have now seen in the dysfunctional world that we live in, those tax rates go from de minimis to onerous, back to de minimis, back to onerous. That's not going to change. 
And so we try to impress upon the business owner that one of the most important things is to make sure that that liquidity from your business is preserved and protected to sustain the lifestyle to which you become accustomed to in the most tax-efficient way, but also preserved from the hands of the tax collector legitimately and above board for the generations to come or to meet your charitable intentions, and thus the seven-step process. Personal goals and objectives, identifying the value of the business, preserve, protect, and promote the value of the business, determine whether you're going to sell internally or externally, business continuity, and finally, your wealth transfer and estate analysis. You know, I've heard it said so many times, Clark, begin with the end in mind, especially in business. And it seems as though, and I'm sure in your walk of life, being so focused on just business transitions, Tony and I work with a lot of businesses. And I got to say, I could probably count on one hand the amount of businesses that actually had an up-to-date plan. For a lot of those businesses, it's an event that might drive them out of the business What makes this process, or why do you find business owners find this so gut-wrenching that they just keep kicking the can down the road, they don't want to face the music, and start planning? Because it's shown time and time again, when you begin with the end in mind, you can create that value and get the maximum value from the business. But a lot of business owners are waiting till they're almost at the point ready to sell before they start looking at it. Why is that? Gee, if I knew the answer to that, Jim, I wouldn't be doing what I do, right? (laughs) I think that From my experience, which is, by the way, no different than yours when I visit with an owner, is that we're human beings, even though as a business owner myself, it's nice because I can relate to the closely held business owner that I'm speaking with, or partners, or partnership, or family business that I'm speaking to, because I've been part of that. And I understand we're all human beings. So let's use an example of somebody that is a business owner that smokes heavily. It usually isn't until the blood pressure goes off the Richter scale and the heart's not doing what it's supposed to be doing and the physician finally gives you the ultimatum that if you don't stop, you're going to be dead inside of X period. And all of a sudden, the business owner, smoker, comes to the epiphany that they have to do something. Sometimes it's too late. The horse is out of the barn, so to speak. And sometimes it's not. But countless times every year, the physician would ask the business owner, how many times have you stopped smoking cigarettes? Have you stopped smoking yet? How many times do I have to tell you? The science is evident. Stop smoking. So the same thing holds true with a business owner. Yes, I know that I'm going to leave my business. It's an absolute. It's not maybe. Vertical or prone, I'm going to be leaving my business. It's an absolute. And yet, we avoid it because of many, what I call the soft issues in exit planning, which we ask the owner to begin to work on. And that is, what are you going to do when you step away from your business? You need to be able to create interests now that can consume your entrepreneurial time, energy, and effort, but there'll come a time when it's no longer appropriate for you to be in your business for whatever the multitude of reasons are. Either the business is changing too rapidly and the next generation of owner has to come along, to a family member it's their turn, to it's just plain time or retirement, quality of life, etc. And so why is it that business owners wait until they have an event, a 
as I had mentioned earlier, is usually just by virtue of human nature. So when someone like myself is introduced to that business owner, all we do is try to create what I call bridge thinking. I know where you come from, Mr. and Ms. Business Owner, and I've been there. Let me give you an analogy of you being a property owner wanting to build a building rather than you being the owner of a manufacturing company. You can't build that building without blueprints, and the integrity of that building is all predicated upon those blueprints. And yet the blueprints ultimately aren't what the final building looks like, probably very close, but not the final building because the other trades, or in the case of a business exit plan, the other circle of trusted advisors, attorney, CPA, investment advisor, insurance advisor, transaction intermediary, all those trades weigh in on your blueprint, on your exit planning roadmap, so that the integrity of the end result is as you originally saw it in your mind or can change. And wouldn't it make sense that if you got into your business with having to commit to something in writing, isn't it logical, forgive me for being logical, but isn't it logical to have a written roadmap, blueprint, architecture, to get from here to there on your terms successfully at a time and a moment of your choosing? Or would you prefer to wait until the doctor scolds you to the point where the blood pressure is so uncontrollable that your life expectancy has been dramatically shortened just because you didn't stop smoking? Same thing. Your business is your most strategic asset. Doesn't it make sense to have something in writing to get from here to there? You can always change it. You don't have to implement it. But no differently than a building, what would it look like if you didn't have blueprints? What's it going to look like if you didn't have an exit plan in writing? Clark, I hope you inspired some business owners today because I'm sure you've been in the career long enough to see what happens when there are no blueprints. I've seen it happen many a time. And you hear the famous stories like the Wrigley's who had to sell the Chicago Cubs to come up with the money for estate taxes or Joe Roby with the Miami Dolphins because they all had some plans in place, but they didn't really think it through or have it up to date. And you talked about estate taxes. I mean, we're set January 1st of next year, unless Congress kicks the can down the road again, where the exemptions go back from the current $5.12 million to $1 million, and the rates go up. So if you have a vast majority of your estate built into your closely held business and the IRS comes in and says, hey, that business is worth $3 million, you owe us estate taxes of a million, and you don't have the cash laying around, imagine what that business is going to be sold for when you have nine months to come up with that cash. Having an exit strategy, having it in writing, and having a good understanding of what's going to happen is not only going to protect you and the value of your business, but imagine your family members that have become dependent on some of the fruits of your labor. It is so inspiring to hear you talk, Clark, and talking about processes. People need to take action. Thanks, Clark. We really appreciate you sharing that with us. And like I said, hopefully we inspire a couple people to take action and get their roadmap in place and write their blueprints. Thanks for specializing in what you do, and you're definitely a great resource for people. And I know today's content will allow me to, there's a couple families I'm thinking of right now that have been kicking the can down the road. So we'll definitely share this content. Appreciate your time. Sure. Thank you all. Have a good day. Take care. 
Thanks for joining us this week, and tune in again next week as we explore another phase of the real wealth process. And remember, if anything you heard in today's show you'd like to get more information about, contact your real wealth advisor. Also, if you feel that any of this information will be helpful to a friend or family member, just click the Forward to a Friend button. This copyrighted program and its contents is given with the understanding that neither the hosts, guests, nor station render legal, medical, accounting, tax, or other professional advice. The information and opinions expressed here are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendation for any individual situation or security. For specific assistance, you should seek the services of a competent professional. To learn about a specific investment option, ask your Real Wealth Advisor for a prospectus. Please read the prospectus carefully about the fees, expenses, and risks before investing. Real Wealth Advisors offer security and investment advisory services through Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered investment advisor, PO Box 64284, St. Paul, Minnesota, 55164. Real Wealth Advisors and Woodbury Financial Services Incorporated are not affiliated entities. This is Real Wealth Weekly on the Real Wealth Advisor Network. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's podcast from Prism Insurance Agency. We've got additional information and links in our show notes, which you can click on to learn more. If you have any questions about any of the topics covered or would like to learn more, you can go to our website, www.myprisminsurance.com. You can reach out to us on Facebook or LinkedIn or Twitter. Call us at 951-243-2800 or email me directly at prob at myprisminsurance.com. The email is in the show notes as well. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in, and have a wonderful week.